Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Heavenly Father, we come here before you today as sinners in need of righteousness. As those who are distracted by the cares of this world, distracted by this evil age, but who need to see our King. And you, Lord, have taken our King and placed him at the right hand of power and authority. And now we sit in anticipation for that promise, that Holy Spirit, to be refreshed upon us. But by God's grace, we do not have to wait. We thank you that you have filled us with your Spirit by our faith in Christ Jesus. And we ask you now, Lord, to open up our hearts to hear through the word that you presented us today, the words of Christ, the word of our Lord, of our Master, of our King who calls us servants to serve him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Surely I am coming soon. Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Our second lesson is the conclusion of all Scripture, that written word of God that ends in Revelation. But our cry continues even into heaven to this day. Even so, come now, Lord Jesus. Because the sin-filled world is marred by evil. It can seem to be the devil's playground. And yet Jesus does not leave us empty. His ascension is not his abandonment. Though we be surrounded by troubles, surrounded by the enemy at every side, and encompassed by temptation, we have an advocate who comes to us, a helper, a power from on high, the Holy Spirit of God. Now the Lord told St. John in the Revelation and speaks to us in this day, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy. But as for us, As for those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, let the righteous still do right, and the holy be holy. For our Lord now calls us sinners blessed and tells us that by our faith in Him, we may have the right to the tree of life. The same tree which was denied to our foreparents as the angelic hosts protected the garden from us, as we were sent into exile, so that we would not eat from that tree of life and remain in our sinfulness. But now, now that Christ has come, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ has ascended, we are given access to the fruit of the tree of life every time we come to this table and in faith taste and see that the Lord is good. But what evil and horrendous tragedy there is in this world. We've witnessed it this week in Texas. Just two weeks ago in Buffalo. It's ongoing in Ukraine. Death and destruction havocs much of the world. In Africa. In Asia. Christian, do you thirst for righteousness? Do you thirst for justice? Do you thirst with me? For all this death to cease. And Church of Christ, 
bride of Jesus. Join with the Spirit and cry out, Even so, come now, Lord Jesus. And hear the words of Jesus that let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires the water of life without price. That water of life is available to all of us who thirst. <coughs> and it's freely available and freely given to us because Satan has been dethroned. Maybe you didn't hear me. Satan has been dethroned. But now he fights like hell as one who roams the earth, roaming like a roaring lion, we hear from Scripture. But he shall be vanquished forever by the lion from the tribe of Judah, by the son of David, the son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. But until our Lord returns, Satan continues to bring hell on earth until that final judgment when he and all of his demons will be cast into the lake of fire. And mark the words of our Lord Jesus. His day is coming. Judgment is coming upon the earth, and we cry out for his just judgment and for justice to flow like a river. So may our prayer be like the prayer of the prophet of the Lord God Most High, the prophet Amos, who said, Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And the righteousness that we're clad by in the Holy Spirit, that we're clothed by, through Jesus Christ's blood, is given to us through the gift and that promise of the Helper, the Advocate, the Spirit of God. And we are equipped for war by that Spirit. We are equipped to wage war as the church because Christians, we are fighting a war. We're in the midst of it, regardless of whether or not we wanted the fight. But the war is not with flesh and blood. It's not against our fellow man. As St. Paul is telling us, it is against hell and its demons. It's against sin and sinfulness. It's against unrighteousness. Because when mankind follows evil, we witness sin's tragic consequences. And we've witnessed that in the past several weeks, in the past several months, for all our lives. And it's so easy and so common for people today to cynically criticize Christians for offering up their prayers. But they don't know that prayer is a weapon. It is a weapon that we are equipped with and called to use in the face of evil, in the face of injustice, in the face of our own sin. And St. Luke tells us today about a time in which St. Paul, Silas, and he were unjustly treated when opposing the dethroned Satan. And it all starts so turn with me, either into your bulletin or into the Holy Scriptures, to Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. For in the reading from the first lesson in Acts, we find that St. Luke is with Paul and Silas because he begins this portion of Scripture by saying, as we were going, showing that Luke is with Paul and with Silas. And where do we find them going to? To the place of prayer, to the place of prayer. But their journey is interrupted, as so much of our own lives are interrupted, by a slave, 
a girl who is being used by her masters to profit off of her supposed fortune-telling. And this poor girl was enslaved not only by men, but far worse, she was enslaved by Satan, specifically a demon. Now the ESV, which is printed in your bulletin, that translation says that she has a spirit of divinization. But the Greek says something different. It says that she has a python spirit. A python spirit, a serpent, the spirit of that ancient serpent who ensnared our ancient parents there in the garden. And to give you further context, in Greek mythology, the python is the name of a serpent that allegedly dwelled in the Pythor region. And it was said to guard the oracle of Delphi. And you may have heard of this oracle who supposedly pronounced fortune and blessings and told the future. And you see, this girl was possessed by one of the demons who had led the ancient Greeks astray in their paganism. And yet the Lord God uses this girl, uses this slave, just like he used Balaam to speak the truth. And she's following Paul and Silas and Luke for days. And she's crying out, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. It's amazing. It's amazing that God would use a demon-possessed girl to speak the truth. But this really should be no surprise to us. For St. James reminds us that even the demons believe. Even the demons know who Jesus is, and they tremble. And so St. Paul, here's this girl who due to the possession of this python spirit, this demon, is speaking the truth, saying these are the men who are the servants of the Most High God. They proclaim the way of salvation. And it happens day after day until St. Paul grows tired of it. And perhaps in sheer frustration, he cries out, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And Luke tells us it came out of her that very hour. That demon was gone because there's power in the name of the king. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as Jesus promised his apostles at his ascension, as he rose up and was disappeared by the cloud of glory, the glory of God, he told his apostles that he would send power from on high in the Holy Spirit. And what do we hear now in this reading from Acts, which is after Pentecost, after the giving of Holy Spirit, after Paul has encountered Christ on that road to Damascus, we hear that Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, a servant of the King, a recipient of the Holy Spirit, indeed has power that can only come from on high. So let yourself not be troubled, Christian. Let yourself not be troubled, but take faith that that self-same Holy Spirit, the one that was given in Paul, rests and resides in you and equips you to pray and to pray boldly in the name of our King, Jesus the Christ. And though God may not answer our prayers as we desire, and though it may feel as though he's more silent than responsive, it does not make it any less a weapon against evil or the evil one. It stymies temptation. It enlivens the Holy Spirit within us. And what does St. James tell us? He tells us, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Let him sing psalms unto the Lord. 
And what do we find Paul and Silas and Luke doing? There in Acts, they're doing the exact same thing that St. Paul commends to us. They are suffering from an unjust and an illegal imprisonment. And after Paul has cast out the demon of that slave girl, her masters are upset because they've lost their source of income. And so they drag them, Paul, Silas, and Luke, drag them into the marketplace before the magistrates, the rulers. And as a result, they are stripped. They are beaten with many blows and with rods. And they are cast into imprisonment, into jail. Just like their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like their king. Now what would you do in this situation? You find yourself beaten, find yourself falsely accused, find yourself in a jail. Now this pessimistic and this evil age that we live in would have you think that thoughts and prayers get you nowhere. And I would agree that thoughts don't do much of anything, but prayers to the ever-living God, the maker of all things seen and unseen, the redeemer who suffered for our transgressions, the righteous for the unrighteous, the one who was wrongfully beaten, who was stripped unjustly, who was horrifically lashed upon his back, marred beyond recognition, and brutally staked upon raw wood, that prayer is never unprofitable. The world may laugh, the world may scoff, but the world and people will abandon you. God never will. What does the psalmist tell us? Even if I go into the pit, go down into Sheol, into death, you are there. Because when Christ died, he cast open the doors of the pit of Sheol. And what do we hear from the psalm? That when he ascended into heaven... He ascended with a host of captives. He led captivity captive. He never abandoned us when we did our very worst to him upon the cross. So why do you think that he would not listen to our cries and to our prayers even now? So in verse 25 in Acts chapter 16, what do we see? About midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas are awake. They're likely still in pain and suffering from being beaten by rods. No doubt bruised, possibly wearing blood-stained clothing at this point. But what do they do? The scripture tells us they are praying and singing hymns to God. Just as St. James tells us to do when we are suffering and we are rejoicing. And how outrageous is it that these apostles of the living God, of our King, are both in prayer for their suffering and rejoicing in their circumstances. For they know what our Lord has taught. They persecuted him, the master, and they would do the same. And that we should rejoice when we experience such tribulation. But how outrageous it is to the world and how bemusing it must have been to the other prisoners who scripture tells us are listening in. You know, what are these men doing, praying and singing? And as they do so, then what? Then what happens? The scripture says a great earthquake shaking the prison's foundations. And then immediately, the doors are all opened. Everyone's bonds are unfastened. That's incredible. And let me tell you, earthquakes don't open every prison door and then unshackle every single prisoner. 
That, my friends, is the work of the Lord, hearing the prayers and the hymns of his servants. But this jailbreak is the worst jailbreak I've ever encountered. Did you notice that none of the prisoners even escape? They're so perplexed and befuddled by everything that's going on. No one leaves instantly when it first happens. Who knows the reason why? Scripture doesn't reveal it. For some, they might have been waiting for the after effects, the other tremors to come after this great earthquake. Maybe we're safer in here than going out there. For the others, they're probably just perplexed. Like, these men have been praying to the Most High God, rejoicing. They've been beaten up and bloody. We know what happened to them earlier today. We heard it from them. And then this earthquake happens. The one in one equals two, and they see it. And even the jailer thinks that logically, I mean, everyone is left. The prison has been shaken to its foundations. Doors are opened. Prisoners are unfastened. And now he's thinking, I'll be executed because they've all gotten out, and it's on me. And so the jailer prepares to give up. He prepares to kill himself. What happens? He's stopped by Paul. Paul yells out, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Christians, there are people out there who lose their hope because their hope is in this world. It may be in the job that they currently have, like this jailer. I've lost them all, and therefore my head is on the line. It could be people, because of circumstances and hope, are placed in the wrong things, not placed in the Lord God, not placed into His Word. And we are called to reach out and tell them, do not harm yourself, because I am here. But more importantly, Christ is here. Christ is risen. Christ is ascended, and our King reigns. And this shocks the jailer. You're all still here? What are you doing? And then he asks what we all must ask in this evil world, in the evil age we live in. Sirs, what must I do then to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What irony! The jailer asking the prisoner how to be saved. Talk about a world upside down. And then Paul, the prisoner, tells his own jailer simply this, according to the words of Scripture, to believe upon the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You will be saved if you believe upon the Lord Jesus, if you trust in Him, if you cast all of yourself upon Him. Believe in Him. And Luke continues telling us in Acts that they spoke the word of the Lord to Him. They explained who Christ is to Him and to His household, and they were all baptized. New birth, regeneration, the life that He was about to lose. Instead of losing it by his own hand, he loses his life by casting it upon Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture here. He was about to end his life, and you know what? His life did end that, life, that night, but it wasn't the life that he was thinking, not that of the physical flesh, but he lost his life spiritually by dying in the old Adam and being united in baptism to the new Adam. And then that jailer, the same one who imprisoned him, who's now a fellow servant of Jesus Christ, what does he do? What is his first act as a Christian? He serves. He serves by tending to the prisoners. He binds the wounds. He tends to them. Takes care of Paul, Silas, and Luke. What an example of how we should live. This jailer gets it. Do we? This jailer has now heard, our God reigns. 
Do you believe? Do you live like our God is the living God? Our God is the king and that we are not. Because that's the call. That's what our spirit is telling us. Not the one we're born with, but the one that we're born again with, the spirit of God. For indeed, our Lord Jesus, as the psalmist says, has gone up with a shout of triumph as the apostles were there at the ascension, praising God as he ascended into heaven. And like the psalmist today tells us, and like the psalm that Paul and Silas might have even sung in Acts, we should join our voices and sing praises, sing praises unto our God, sing praises unto our King. For though sickness may rack our bodies, evil affect our lives, and Satan oppose us at every single step, God reigns over the nations, says the psalmist. God sits on his holy throne. Because our Redeemer lives. And because he is seated at the right hand of power upon the throne, we pray to him, come now, Lord Jesus. And he does not sit idly by. He empowers us, his very own body, with his very own spirit, to go into all the demon delusional nations and to proclaim his victory. And we're now able to withstand the fiery arrows of the evil one with our shield of faith, says St. Paul. We are able to withstand the attacks of the evil one because Christ is our head. And because we put upon ourselves, as Paul tells us, that helmet of salvation so that we can withstand the blows from the evil one. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that Christ equips us not only with an impenetrable defense, being clothed by him, but also tells us to take up our sword which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A sword, which is to take the battle to the enemy, against evil, against injustice, against the evil one. For as the church, we are called to advance, advance, and never retreat. Advance, advance, and never retreat. We are Christ's body. We are Christ's body, and Christ has overcome the evil one. He is trampled down death by death. And therefore, as to the church, the gates of hell shall not prevail over our advance. And so church, how do we advance against this evil age? Against this age which wishes to catechize our kids in the ways of the world, in the ways of the evil one. Which wishes to tell us that our prayers mean nothing. Which wishes to oppose us in every manner, in every way. How do we advance as the church? Well, hear what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18. By praying at all times in spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, to that end, keep alert. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, so that we may be now given the words to open our mouths and to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. For Christ our King has ascended, and we are empowered by His Spirit. So pray, and pray generously. Be not ashamed for the faith that you have been gifted, but let us reach out to the men and to the women who are enslaved near us, and proclaim freedom from our sin in the name of Jesus Christ. For there is power in His name. And let us be emboldened 
by Christ's very own spirit to lavish love upon all those we encounter. As Jesus so lovingly lavished himself and his riches upon us. Let us be known as those who pray and who love by our words and by our deeds. Let's close in prayer by remembering the prayer that Christ prayed for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one, just as you and I, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given to me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you love me from before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.